Chelek Chav Dalet, Volume 24, the second Sicha for Parshas Kiseitze. This Sicha will discuss the obligation of affixing a mica, a guardrail, to one's roof, when exactly their obligation applies and when not, and also will apply this in a practical manner to our service of Hashem. Just to familiarize, familiarize ourselves with several things, beginning with the actual Pasuk, the verse that describes this obligation. This is from chapter 22, Perik Ches, verse 8 of the book of Devarim Deuteronomy. It says, When you should build a new house, you should make a mica, you should make a guardrail, to your roof. Notice that it says ligagecha. It doesn't say make a mica, a mica a guardrail for the roof, but it says ligagecha. It stresses the fact that it's your roof. We'll see how it applies later. And then it continues, You shall not cause blood to be spilled in your house. Again, it stresses the fact that this is your house. And then it concludes, For the, quote, faller, the person will fall from it. But notice that the Pasuk refers to them not as a person who falls, as a victim who falls, but rather he calls him a faller. And the sages tell us that this is very telling. This tells us that the person who falls was already destined to fall. In other words, the fact that it happened to that person is something that's connected to Hashem and it's already predetermined. But the fact that you didn't protect your roof and now that was, uh, so to speak, able to happen through your roof, your roof, therefore your lack of action became the catalyst for it. Now that's a problem that you want to avoid. If Hashem wants him to fall, he can fall somewhere else, but he shouldn't fall from your roof. Another thing to get familiar with, the Heichel. The Heichel is the main hall in the Beis HaMikdash. If you have an image in, in your eyes, in your mind, of the way the plaza, the temple plaza, the Beis HaMikdash, you know that building that stands up, that seems to be the most protruding from the entire uh, structure, from the entire campus, the one that's wide in the front and narrow in the back, that is called the Heichel, the main hall, the main chamber. And in that house, the Kodesh section and the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies. Another thing to familiarize ourselves with, the base HaKneses and base HaMedosh, or Bote Knesias, or Bote Medrashes, shuls and uh, places of study and prayer. According to Halacha, even though there's a particular group of people who built it or made it happen, but in idea, or and therefore even halachically, it doesn't belong to anyone in particular. In the sense, the shul belongs to no one and it belongs to everyone. What does that mean? Yes, there are people who are contributing towards it. There are people who made sure that it's being maintained. But in idea, every single shul in the world belongs to all Jews. Every, shul, every Jew has a right to come to any shul and pray there and um, make use of the facilities in the shul for their pr- prayer or for their study of Torah. So let's go into the Sicha. On the Pasuk, when it says that you build a new house. So the word bias says the Sifri, the Sifri is the Medrash. It says this comes to Lerabais Heichel. This comes to also include the Heichel, the main hall in the Beis Hamikdash, that the 
guardrail that was built on the top on the roof is not just there for aesthetics, for design, rather it was an obligation. So the Rebbe says it's known, the famous question, that the law is, the halacha is, that a base aknesses and a base amedrish, a shul in a study place, is actually exempt from a mica, is actually exempt from a guardrail. As the Gemara says, the Pasik says, Ga gecha, your roof. Now, this comes to exclude a shul and a base medish, which is not, quote, your roof. So, how do we explain, how do we reconcile this discrepancy? So, the Ragachavar answers, the famous going, the Ragachavar answers, that the obligation of Micah, the obligation of affixing a guardrail, comes into effect the moment you complete the building of the edifice. Now, when they built the base of Mikdash, there was actually a very interesting manner in which they built it. In order not to go into any problems, and not to, God forbid, cause any of the workers to transgress the holiness, what they did is they built everything first in a manner of choyl, meaning everything was not yet consecrated. The materials were not consecrated, the work was not consecrated, the place was not consecrated. So when they built it, it was still, quote, choyl, mundane, meaning it didn't yet have the status of the Beis HaMikdash. Only after the completion of the building, that's when they would go ahead and consecrate it, and now it became the holiness of the Beis HaMikdash. Now it became, effectively, the Beis HaMikdash. Why is this important? So the Rakeshava says that this means in the time that they built it and they completed the building, it still was not holy, and therefore, he explains, it is obligated in a Micah. But the Rebbe challenges this explanation because the fact that the Beis HaKnesses and the Beis HaMedrish are exempt from a Micah, from a guardrail, has nothing to do with the fact that they're holy. Rather, it has to do more with the fact that they, quote, they don't have any specific owners, meaning it doesn't really belong to anyone in particular, and as the Sifri said, it says, Gagecha in the Pasuk, it says, quote, your roof, it has to belong to someone, to some you, many uses also, but it has to belong to some you, and if that's the case, the Rebbe says, then the Heichal, meaning the hole in the base of Mikdash, has a very similar status to a shul, right, why, because the fact is, that it was built, when you built the Heichal, and it was built true in a mundane status, but it doesn't mean that they used it. It doesn't mean that they even would potentially use it. Obviously, they knew what's going to happen with it. They knew that they're very quickly or almost immediately going to consecrate it. And obviously, there was no intent on anyone's part to put any type of private use in the place prior to its being consecrated. So therefore, the question is, how can the Raghachavar make this distinction? That's number one. Number two, it, the Rebbe says... That there's a very clear halacha, that if you have a private abode, a private edifice, <clears throat> meaning an, a mundane place that was converted into a shul or base medrash, automatically it becomes now exempt from a micah. So if that's the case, the heichal, maybe in the few moments before they consecrated it, it would be obligated, but the moment they consecrated it, it becomes exempt. So why did the heichal, why did the uh, base mikdash have a micah? So the Rebbe answers it in the following manner. Rashi explains... The reason, what is really behind the fact that a shul and a base medrash are exempt from a micah? So Rashi explains it's because, quote, there is no one in particular that has ownership on it. 
Why? There's no particular owner because it belongs to everyone. It belongs to no one, as we said in the introduction. Even Jews who live on the other side of the world have an ownership in it, albeit they don't know about the shul, they're not aware of it, they may never show up there, but they are also, in a sense, uh, owners, in the, in, at least in the sense that they have access to the place. And the, you see, the halacha is that if a place is owned by partners, yes, it still has the obligation for a mica, for a guardrail. But that's because you have determined partners. In other words, you have someone to summons. You have someone to obligate. There are specific individuals, albeit many. There could be hundreds of partners. But you have a very um, clear and, and um, determined roster of partners, of owners, that, need to, that are obligated and therefore can be called technically upon to put up this guardrail. Whereas the shul, there's no determined owners. There's no one. Who are you going to call? Who are you going to obligate specifically? And therefore, the the um, the shul is exempt from a a uh, a guardrail. Okay. Another thing, another aspect: a shul and a base medrash. They're not made. They're not intended for to be a mokoim dira, a place of dwelling, a place of living. In other words, they're a place where you daven, they're a place where you learn, they're a place, but that's their designation. They're not designated for a specific dwelling type purpose. Now, like the Rugged Chover himself says, that by Micah, a very important condition is the fact that it is a place of dira, it is a place of dwelling versus a place of holiness. And a shul belongs to everyone, but it doesn't have anyone's specific designation of dwelling in a place. However, let's go now to the Heichel, to the Beis Amikdash. The Beis Amikdash was A, purchased by all Yidin. Yes, all Yidin were equally partners in the Beis Amikdash. We know that David HaMelech insisted on collecting an equal sum of money from every single Shevet, which was given on behalf of every single person in the Shevet, in the, in the tribe. And then furthermore, says the Rebbe, it follows in reason that just like the first time around, when the Yidin were in the desert and they built the Mishkan, each person contributed whatever they their hearts desired towards the materials, towards the building of the Mishkan. It follows that the same happened in the Beis Mikdash. So in the Beis Mikdash, there were partners, and each and every person had an equal partnership in it, or maybe not an equal partnership, but certainly a partnership. And in other words, are determined owners. We know specifically who owns the place. Every single owns the place. Every single Jew owns the place. That's as far as ownership is concerned, as far as it being, quote, gagecha, your roof. Now, as far as it being beisecha, your home, meaning a home is t- typically the, the designation of living in there, dwelling in there. Well, the heichel, particularly this chamber, had a designation of Dira. In fact, not just any designation of Dira, but the most important aspect of Dira, Dira means dwelling in there. How so? We know that the main aspect of Dira dwelling is not the place that you sleep in, but rather the place where you eat the permanent meals. In fact, we see it, something coming up soon, from the festival of Sukkot. On Sukkot, the Torah says, You should dwell in the Sukkot for seven days. Now, how do we dwell in the sukkah? What is the main aspect, the most important aspect and obligation of this, quote, dwelling? In fact, on the first night of sukkah, you are obligated to do so. 
that is to eat your meal in the sukkah. So we see that eating establishes a sense of dwelling. Thus, in the Heichel, that's where some of the karbonis had to be eaten. And by virtue of the fact that they are karbonis, that they are offerings that have to be eaten, that in itself designates this place as an important and settled, quote, dwelling place. And that's where... That's where we can establish now the difference between the Heichol and the Beis HaKnesis and Beis HaMedrash. Beis HaKnesis Beis HaMedrash, just to summarize, doesn't belong to anyone in particular, A. And B, it's not a place that's established as a Mokoyim Dira, whereas the Heichol belongs to every single Yid, every single Jew contributed to it, both in the purchase of the property and later in the contributions for the building materials, and B, it is a mokim dira by definition of the fact that you had to eat a karbonis there. So now we can understand the distinction halachically. Now the Rebbe will switch over to the difference between the Heichal and the Beis HaKnesis and Beis HaMedrash in, from an esoteric perspective and understanding it by means of seeing how it applies to our uh, spiritual avoida. Now what is the inner meaning, says the Rebbe? Of these words in the Pasik, that you should make a Micah, a guardrail, a a um, some kind of curbing to your Gagecha. So the Rebbe says, Gag, Gagecha, your, your, your roof, meaning something that's perched on high, this is a reference to one's arrogance, to one's haughtiness. That the Torah is telling us that one needs to curb. One needs to make like a gate around. One needs to limit one's gaiva. And because the root of all fail, of all falling, of all descent, of all failure in, in spiritual aspects is all the gaiva, the arrogance. In fact, as we know, all the bad traits of a person stems typically from one's gaiva, from one's arrogance. So this is a very general lesson, a very general directive from the fact that the Heichel, that specifically this chamber in the Beis HaMikdash was required to have a Micah, that one can think that when it comes to regular mundane things, one has to be careful and guard their arrogance, their haughtiness. But when it comes to, quote, building a Heichel, building a special abode for Hashem, meaning when one is engaged in their spiritual avoida. One may think, on the contrary, you need to be proud. You need to have a sense of gaiva, of arrogance. In fact, the, ta- the, Torah, the Gemara itself says that Talmidah HaChomim do need to have a small measure of gaiva of what appears to be arrogance in order to exert their authority. So one would think, well, it's a positive thing. Therefore comes the lesson from this and says, no. Even the roof of the Beis HaMikdash, what can be holy in that? It includes the Kodesh HaKadoshim, also needs to have a mica, needs to have a guardrail. Now, in literal sense, what is a mica? What is the reason? What is the purpose? In other words, what's the objective in putting up this mica? The Torah says to us, not so much to protect yourself, but to protect the other, that the other person shouldn't fall. This is a lesson that when it comes to being mikarif, bringing closer others to Yiddishkeit, which this is the true, quote, building of a new house to Hashem, one has to be very, very careful and very, very restrict, to to very, very much restrict 
their gaiva, their arrogance. Why? Because it's not just a danger for yourself that you're not going to be doing a complete avoider. But this is a, a, a tremendous a danger that if your whole approach comes from a point of arrogance, then it's very possible and very likely actually that the words that you're going to express, the influence that you're going to try to have on the other is not going to come genuinely from the heart. It's going to be distorted and therefore it will not have an effect. And therefore, and therefore it will not uh, be effective in being the car of the person. Now one can ask and say, well, listen, you can't blame it on me. In other words, even if I'm a little arrogant, why should I be blamed? Why should I have to curb my arrogance? Why should I have to put, quote, a gate around my arrogance and curb it when really the Pasuk itself says, that the one who falls is already a faller, meaning that that person had to fall anyway, right? And if that person would have been okay, if that person would have been in the right place, then they would have been able to cut through my arrogance and go to the truth of what I'm telling them. They would have been able to decipher and pick out the gems in what I am saying to them when I'm trying to teach them and not, and they will not have allowed it to become distorted by my arrogance. So why? They would only, quote-unquote, hear the truth, not hear the distortions. So why should I be blamed? Says the Torah, to you, there should be no difference to the fact that the person is, quote, an already, already a faller. You have an obligation of the Asisa Michael Legagecha to make a guardrail around your roof. It is your responsibility. Take your responsibility. Be concerned that no one should fall from your from your roof. Just like in the literal mitzvah of, of Mike. If that person has to fall, let him fall elsewhere. But not that you should be the catalyst for that person get her, get her hurt. And as we know, the Gemara says, that merit is brought upon those who are already meritations and God, meritious, and God forbid, and the chayva, the, the liability is usually comes through those who are already liable, who are already in a bad place. Now one can argue now, oh, wait. If I have arrogance and you're saying it's a bad thing and it might negatively affect my ability to influence others and to bring them closer to Yiddishkeit, so maybe I should just refrain from it. In other words, let me take a step back. Let somebody else who's in a better place, let him engage in this type of work. Maybe I'm not the right guy for it. And it's okay. I'll just be more passive. Says that Eben, no. The Torah says, You have to build a new house. You don't have any right to exempt yourself from this. Hashem is waiting for you. And then now, moreover, the fact that Hashem made it, that you encounter this Jew who needs your guidance, who can use your help in coming closer to Yiddishkeit, that is proof that Hashem is saying, you need to build this house. You are now chanced upon an opportunity to build a house, and therefore Hashem says to you, your problem is you have arrogance? Well, I'll tell you what you have to do. You can't exempt yourself from it. You have no choice. You should make a guardrail for your roof. And the Rebbe here brings the famous story with the Mittler Rebbe that really illustrates this very vividly. The Mittler Rebbe, he made a, a custom, so to speak, that anyone who wants to come to visit the Rebbe could come on one condition that on their way home, they won't take the express route, rather they'll take a very, very slow route, stopping over in every single town and city, and there they should repeat and teach Hasidus that they heard in Lubavitch. And with this, was very, very successfully started to spread Hasidus on a very, very large scale. 
Now, there was a particular chassid who did very well in this. And actually, the people looked forward to hearing him. He was a very good orator, and he knew how to deliver it very well that everybody can understand. But he started to sense a sense of arrogance, a sense of, you know, self-worth. You know, he felt good. You sit there and people listen to you and people are eager to hear you more and more. And he came to the Rebbe by Yechidus and he complained to the Rebbe that maybe he should stop because this is causing him to become arrogant. So the Rebbe answered him, I don't care if you turn into an onion, but Chassidus you're going to you're going to repeat, you're going to teach. And the Rebbe points out in the footnote something very, very phenomenal. An onion in itself is a very bitter vegetable. But when you take that onion and you put it into food or you cook it with something, it adds a tremendous flavor. In a sense, the Rebbe was telling him, the issue that it's going to cause you and it's going to be bitter for you or you're going to become something negative, that's something you've got to work on personally. But that will not exempt you from giving to others, from enhancing others' experience. Now we'll ex- appreciate the difference between the Heichal and <clears throat> a regular Shul and a regular base Medrash. A regular shul and base medrash, think about it. What is their primary um, use? What is their primary objective? That's where the person is serving Hashem through davening and learning. But this is something more that concerns himself. It's something that he works on himself and by himself. In other words, he's essentially removed from the world. Whereas the Beis HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, what is really the main design of it? What is its main purpose? Its main purpose and objective is to offer the Karbanis, which is the general idea of elevating the world to Hashem. Through the Karbanis, the entire world was created to Hashem. The entire material world, that is, was created, was, was elevated, sorry, was now elevated, brought up higher to Hashem. In other words, this uh, is a symbol of when a person is engaged with the world, not exclusively by himself, working on himself and by himself, but rather when a person is more turned outward and a person is working with the world. And there in that world, yes, there are many, quote, fallers, there are many potential fallers, there are people who have issues, there are things that have issues, there are matters that perhaps can sometimes be very sensitive and one needs to be extra diligent and extra vigilant in how they engage themselves with the world. Because this is the main avoida, the main objective, the main purpose of ours is to elevate the world and therefore we have to be concerned about this and this is what we learn out from the Heichal, from the main chamber in the Beis HaMikdash, that yes, this place is a symbol of elevating the world, of working with the world, and therefore, when you're working with the world, which everybody has to work with the world, we need to be concerned about the potential of the danger that can come about because of our, quote, roof, which is our arrogance. And therefore, we have to curb it. We have to put up a guardrail. And says that ever through making extra effort in this, certainly will come to the actual building of the Beis Hamikdash, the of Mamish.